There's no doubt that small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have marketing expert and innovator Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon is a recovering broadcaster turned communications strategy specialist. He spent almost a decade working in radio and 20 plus years in comms, first in both in-house and agency roles, and for the last 10 years as an entrepreneur. Lyndon's focus is to democratize public relations and marketing to enable any business that needs it to get help and to demonstrate the strategic value of communications. He's developed his own universal theory of marketing communications, and I'm hoping we'll get a crash course that explains it all today. Plus, Lyndon is the longtime host of Startup Canada's Startup Chats on Twitter, so I want to ask him how he makes sense of the madness that is Twitter chats and some of his favorite learnings from that platform. So let's get at it. Lyndon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rick. Pleasure to be here. As you may know, because you were on this once with my predecessor, Rivers, although this is going to be much more fun, we, we typically ask right off the top of the show, what are the learnings that people are going to be able to take away from this podcast that you hope they'll learn uh, through our conversation that they can put into effect at their business? So that way they know that they got to stay, stay tuned to the whole thing because there's so much good stuff. So what do you hope that, that they'll take away? Well, I hope they'll take away a better understanding of what communications is, the core disciplines that make it up, uh, and also how they can use it strategically in order to grow their, their organizations. And I also hope they'll have uh, a better understanding of the framework that we've developed and the tools that can actually help them to, to use communication strategically. Right. So, so many entrepreneurs are, you know, experts already at in, in their particular fields, whether it's in technology or retail or manufacturing or materials or services. So why should they have to learn all about communications too? I think because it's something that 
they do, even if they're not aware of it. And it's something that wraps around all of the other expertise and knowledge that they have and that they use to build their business. But they communicate with internal stakeholders, with colleagues, with team members, with partners. They communicate externally with investors, with potential customers, with uh, people that have purchased the products and services that they're uh, delivering. So they're communicating whether they're aware of it or not. And I think that the most important thing is to help them understand how they can use it strategically. If they're already doing it, it makes sense to kind of harness that that power and, and be able to channel it to, to help them achieve outcomes more quickly and also consciously. Good answer. Very good answer. So take us through your entrepreneurial journey, Lyndon Johnson. Why did you launch Comms Bar, which is the business that I first met you at? And tell us also about the, the new service, which is thinkdifferently.ca. Yeah, well, so I started um, my entrepreneurial journey really because I, I saw a problem. I came to Canada at the end of 2010 and having worked in both agency and in-house in the UK, I'd seen a problem that communications as it kind of exists is something that businesses tend to look at tactically rather than strategically. They do stuff rather than actually figuring out what they need to do in order to achieve a particular outcome. Um, my experience working in agencies was that a lot of uh, my agency customers were scratching their heads because they were paying a lot of money for the services. They were getting pre-packaged, pre-delivered services that didn't necessarily meet the business need. And there was no real way to measure it, to be able to quantify the impact. And that was particularly the case when I was working with startups and small businesses. And so the kind of crux of starting the business was really trying to figure out, was there a way that we could fix those problems? Was there a way that we could actually help businesses apply the different communications disciplines strategically? So they were consciously doing things to move them closer to the outcomes that they wanted. Could we help them to uh, understand the business relationship and how it, it relates to the operational side of the business? Um, could we get them what they wanted rather than just selling predetermined services that, that everybody got in return for, for money? Uh, and was there a way that we could re reduce that financial barrier to entry? And so Comsbar really came about uh, as a vehicle for experimenting to figure out one, whether those problems were things that startups and small businesses really wanted solving, and then to figure out how we would do that and to test ideas that we had around it. And so Comsbar um, works really like a, a walking clinic for communications advice. And, you know, it's meeting that gap in the market where you have startups and small businesses that don't have the sorts of uh, budget that agencies demand in order to, to even get some advice. Right. What, what kind of clients were the sweet spot for you at Comsbar? They're really um, kind of companies that typically have a fixed business model. Uh, at least it's fixed at the, the point that we talk with them. Um, sometimes it changes, but 
typically have they have that kind of lockdown and, and kind of functioning. And they also have a value proposition that is validated to some degree. And when they have those two things, we can really start to look at how communications can help them to use those two things to, to grow, to achieve you know, business outcomes and also financial goals. Right. Now, while you were de- disaggregating, is that the word? <laughs> while you were disaggregating <laughs> communications, you were also working on this big theory, which seems to have led to think differently. So, so, so tell us how this evolved and, where, and, and, and what think differently does. Yeah, I actually think differently was the first um, company uh, before comms bar. Um, it's just a, oh, I got it wrong. No, no, it's at very various times they they have um, differing prominence in in what we talk about, and that's part of being able to separate the two things because some of the stuff that we uh, use in comms bar was developed by Think Differently, but it doesn't make sense to talk about how it came about, you know, through a comms bar lens and and vice versa. Uh, but the method was something that when we were looking at how we would deliver services differently from traditional agencies, we realized that there were a number of challenges. One was that whilst most entrepreneurs have the skills that they need to uh, perform the various communications disciplines, they weren't necessarily conscious that they were doing it. And we wanted a way to actually show them that they didn't necessarily need somebody external to the business that they were paying to do that on their behalf, that if they understood what they were doing and were doing it consciously, they could use it as a strategic tool. Um, And the methodology was something we developed internally to help us to kind of explain that. Uh, And also so that when somebody came to us, we realized that the quality of the advice that we were giving them was only as good as the information that we were provided. And as we both know, with with kind of startups, that information changes and, and, you know, what we think we know isn't necessarily, you know, the truth, not because we're deliberately kind of not wanting to know it, but just because we, we kind of don't know, or we only know what we know. Right. And, 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 and it's fair to say, uh, you know, as a journalist who's had to interview entrepreneurs, hundreds of entrepreneurs over the years, um, most of them don't communicate all the good stuff up front, not because they're not trying to, but because the story quickly becomes so complex. There's so many aspects to it that it takes a long time to get close enough to be able to say, okay, this is the gist. This is what we can work with. Absolutely. So what we wanted to do was kind of create something that helped with that process. And so the framework was really a way of organizing information, allowing entrepreneurs to collect the information that we needed to be able to assess the degree of confidence in the information that we were being provided with. Uh, and to be able then to use that to to kind of provide them with guidance on on what to do next in the same way that the business model canvas or the value proposition canvas or Ash Mariah's uh, Lean Startup canvas does. And so the framework started as a way for us to do two things. One was a way to gather that information so that when we looked at kind of the information we were given, we could kind of probe a little deeper and say, well, this looks kind of slightly unusual. Can you just explain a little bit more about this and why you think that's the case and where the data came from to kind of support that view? 
It also gave us the ability as a, a group of specialists to be able to identify who the best person was to help. So if it was me as the first contact, I might be able to diagnose the problem, but I wouldn't necessarily be the person to help resolve it. And so I wanted to be able to hand over all of the knowledge, all of the information that I'd gathered as part of that process to somebody that had that specific expertise without them having to go through the same process. We've all been in situations where we phone up and we explain the problem we have to somebody. It's determined that they're not the person to help. We get transferred to somebody else. And then we spend the next 20 minutes going through the same process as explaining exactly what we explained to the first person. Except for the fact that it's never exactly the same, which means that something always gets left out or added in that changes everything. Exactly. So we wanted to kind of you know, eliminate that risk as much as we could. And so we started developing these canvases that you know kind of collected information and created a single version of the truth as it was known at that point. And to then be able to to use it. And we started using it um, as a pre-session uh, tool that we would send out to, to customers and say, can you, before you come for the, the session, can you fill this in? Uh, we then kind of realized that actually part of the value that we were delivering, because it's great to be able to say, well, this is the, the problem. This is kind of how we would go about solving it, but not actually provide them with any capability to do anything about it. We wanted to, to kind of avoid what happens in the agency world where you're dependent on uh, a third party to provide the solution as well, which generally means more money. And we wanted to provide entrepreneurs with the ability to continue the work to resolve some of the issues independently. And then if they need more help, come back to us and, and we can kind of help further. But we really wanted to try and minimize the need for them to do that. And, and so the tools became something that we gave to our customers after the session to enable them to continue to do the work. Right. So can we break away from the abstraction here and actually talk about a, a case? You don't have to mention company names or anything, but you know, is, is, is this Canvas in action now? And can you tell us about how it's actually helped a client? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny, I was talking to, to a customer this morning. Um, so I have a, a, a kind of a case study that's actually live right now. Uh, one of the, the businesses that I'm working with is uh, look, the entrepreneur is looking to remove themselves from the day-to-day -day running of the business uh, as, as, as soon as they can um, because uh, they uh, are not going to be in the same geography. And so they're setting the business up to be uh, as self-reliant uh, as, as, self, um, as, as it can be, where they'll provide guidance externally. But part of the, the challenge uh, was finding the right people to be able to make that a reality. And so we've been through a process over the last couple of weeks of helping uh, one of the canvases, the relationship map. It's really identifying who the key people are uh, to actually achieving an outcome. If, if you're going to achieve a particular outcome, what are the people that you need? Who do you have inside your network? Uh, and uh, you know, which relationships do you need to build uh, in order to make that happen that you don't have inside your network? And are there people that you do have relationships with that can help you with that? And uh, this entrepreneur has actually 
use the the relationship map to identify uh, who those people are for a particular uh, goal, one of which was actually to to build a financial model that kind of gave them uh, an understanding of how much money they would need to to enable the business to function uh, independently without them being in country to to kind of continue to to look for for revenue on a an increment to look for funding on an incremental basis. And uh, from from doing that, then they were able to look at uh, the strategies, the PR strategies for developing those relationships. And they've actually been able to identify somebody that can help them to do that uh, from people they have within their network. They didn't have that relationship before they started the process. But as a result of the work that we've done, they've been able to identify clearly who those people are, identify that there was a gap and somebody that they needed, they didn't have in their network and find exactly the right person to to be able to help them solve that problem from the people that they have in their network currently. I know it sounds a little bit like a complicated process because you have these various tools and canvases that people have to get through, but what's the, the sort of net benefit here? What kind of money can people save and, 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 and can they save time using your model? Yeah, it, it's one of the things that we've struggled with. It's it's making something that is complicated at the back end, but actually once you get into it is is kind of fairly straightforward because it provides focus. And part of managing the complexity is what we do. Um, part of our job is to to help uh, get entrepreneurs started. And that's often the, the biggest challenge. Um, they might come to us thinking they need publicity, um, but in reality, they need public relations. And one of the, the functions of the canvases is actually to help them understand that um, so that it's not just us telling them that they need something that they think they need something else. Um, but once you get started, it follows a, a, a very natural um, kind of process and it, it becomes very, very clear and very simple. In terms of time and, and money, uh, the, the case study that I just described uh, has taken uh, two 30-minute sessions, uh, really looking at the information that we were provided, the logic behind it, where the evidence for it was, and obviously some work that the entrepreneur has done independently, but they would have to do that anyway. And those two 30-minute uh, sessions uh, have uh, cost them about $140 Canadian. Well, that sounds like a breakthrough strategy for sure. Um, what's the status of this service? I know you've been um, working on it for a long time, and I once got to see the big loose-leaf file that will one day be a book. Um, where do things stand? Are you fully operational now in terms of using the canvas? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's something that I have stacks here that um, are on the desk in my office right now that, you know, post-it notes go on to, they get handwritten on because a lot of the sessions that we're doing are obviously virtual right now. And uh, that was always the, the kind of idea was to offer the walk-in model in person, but also uh, virtually as well, which with what's happened over the last kind of two years or so, was was a pretty good uh, pretty good decision, but um, the canvases are all active with you know hundreds of entrepreneurs uh, around the world right now, 
and uh, you know the idea is to to continue to develop tools. You, you talked about the the manuscript for the book, working on a a manual for using the framework and actually kind of helping entrepreneurs to be able to use it independently, even without necessarily having in, any interaction with uh, comms bar specialists. Um, I've uh, kind of described it as like a Haynes manual. Um, if you remember those things when they were paper books where you need to repair your car, I mean, you know, I remember my father flipping through the pages and, you know, changing the oil or, you know, the timing belt or whatever it was. And, and we wanted to create a book that works in a similar way. It's a visual guide that has a lot of exploded diagrams that explain all of the canvases, explain the sorts of information that goes into each of them, and also the mechanism for testing you know, communications assumptions in the same way that you would do for business model or for product or for, uh, for um, value proposition experiments. Tell me you're going to do some YouTube videos too, because that's how people are learning today. I am absolutely going to do some YouTube videos. There are some videos that are live right now, which were experiments, but the plan is to kind of create videos for each of the canvases, for each of the tools that we've developed, and also something that kind of gives you an overview of how they all fit together. So that's in the works. Fantastic. So one of the things that makes the communications business so tricky is that there are so many aspects to it that are very, very similar. And sometimes they're hard to tell apart. Like you mentioned recently, just, just now publicity versus PR. And I had to scratch my head and think, and I've been in this business for 30 years. What, what is the difference? And then there's marketing and branding and, and messaging and so many other things. So, so how do you help people get through that and identify what works for them when it's so hard for people just coming in to even understand the difference between these different disciplines? Yeah, the, the misunderstanding is a, is a real issue, and it was something that we, we realized right at the start. And so we've done a lot of work to, to try and resolve it. Part of it is actually going back to the uh, functional origins of each of the disciplines. The disciplines that most people kind of use in the industry, and most people outside the industry understand are based on tactical delivery. They're based on the business models of agencies, essentially, that have designed them to uh, match the services that they deliver. They don't really match the origins of each of the disciplines. And so we went back and looked at all of the fundamental uh, basis for, for each of the disciplines to be able to understand uh, looking at academic research, looking at how each of the, the, the disciplines, the practices evolved and what the outcome of each one of them needs to be. And I've recently written something about the fact that we need to switch from the tactical definitions to, to functional uh, outcome based uh, definitions. When you do that, it makes everything so much easier. So to kind of quickly answer your question about the difference between kind of public relations and publicity. Public relations is a process of building strategic relationships, building relationships with people that are critical to achieving a specific outcome. And publicity is the process of awareness. It's telling people it's communication at scale. Those two things are functionally different. Simply communicating at scale, you know, with as many people as you can, doesn't necessarily bring about the building of a relationship. 
so one of the things that I that I've occasionally gone into this my my day job was mostly as a print reporter covering business and entrepreneurship but occasionally I would moonlight and people would ask for some help with writing a press release or some communication strategy and I would try and do it based on what I knew from working the other side of the desk uh, but one of the key things was that I was always trying to get my clients who were usually entrepreneurs to make the phone calls themselves to say hey I've got a story I would help them figure out what the story was but I would say you call this guy you call this person at the Globe and Mail or the TV station or the radio station or whatever you try and build a relationship with them because that is because even if they don't pick up on your first idea or your second one over time you can build some 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 brand awareness with them and hopefully build trust and of course in the standard agency model the underpaid uh, you know, first first year out of school grad is the one making those calls to the media, um, billing you for them, and taking advantage of any relationship benefit that accrues from that. So um, I love the idea that, that your model seems to be based on empowering the client as opposed to making them dependent. And that's the key, really. Uh, anybody that's ever been looking to meet uh, a partner in their life realizes that you can't send a third party on dates and expect to build the relationship that you're you're hoping to build and the fundamental goal of everything that we've done has been empowering entrepreneurs to be able to do that themselves because the value the equity in you know what they're looking to achieve is something they have to own if a, a third party owns that you have nothing. You're essentially paying somebody money to do something which benefits you until you stop paying them money. And that never felt like a fair exchange. It certainly isn't a way to build a business. And so that's really why we've we focused on creating the framework, but also the tools that are required to be able to manage it and to do the work around the strategy. Uh, because if you can't do that and you don't own that, you don't have anything really of value. And that's really kind of the fundamental thing about what Comsby does is it it's designed really to, to kind of show entrepreneurs that they have the skills and the capability to do it, that they need to do it as part of building the business and then provide them with the tools to be able to, to execute it themselves. Right. Now, I always found that the, the, the the, the conflict in there, the flaw, is that a lot of entrepreneurs that I met didn't want to do that work. They, they build their life around delegating tasks rather than actually doing them. So have you had any luck in helping companies build their own internal capacity, whether it's the entrepreneur doing that work or, or one of their lieutenants? Yeah, all the time. And, and the reality is that they do it whether or not they think that they do it or whether they think that they need to do it part of the the role of, of a founder or a founding team as, as the business grows is that you know relationships become currency they're the things that actually enable you to achieve the outcomes that you want whether they're uh, revenue goals or whether they're meeting uh, investor requirements to secure more funding or or to sell products or services uh, and if you outsource that to a third party 
you you lose that ability to have any control over it. And uh, so we see that as soon as entrepreneurs, as soon as founders kind of realize that they do a little bit of it and they do it strategically rather than doing it unconsciously, they do it with a clear purpose, with a clear outcome in mind. It changes the way they see it. And then they become proactively involved in it and building and maintaining relationships becomes their kind of central function and the work that they do to kind of build the business operationally becomes part of building the relationships that they need to create the environment that they need to to kind of achieve the the outcomes for the business. Right. Now, the, the, the other big flaw in the whole communications slash marketing, branding, PR space is measuring the impact of your work because it's not always easy. And when clients would ask me about, you know, impact, I'd say, well, measuring your impact is going to cost more than it was trying to get that impact. So it's up to you how much you really want to do of that. What's You're better at this than I am. Um, how do you think entrepreneurs should be addressing the question of measuring impact? Well, I think they need to know what it is before they start. And that's one of the, the flaws of, of the traditional system as I saw it, as I, as I still see it is the first question that any uh, agency asks is what's your budget, which really has no real connection to what you're trying to achieve. Uh, Because if you're defining the outcomes by the money you have available to invest in them, um, you're limiting the goals that you're you're, you're able to achieve. Um, And I think that the canvases have the very first thing in uh, in the the cell is is what's the outcome, because to build a strategy to achieve it, you need to know what that outcome is. It's like driving in a car. If you don't know where you're going, you'll never know where you, whether you got whether you, where you're intending to go to. All you do is drive, and uh, part of that is also about having functional outcomes for each of the disciplines. So rather than PR uh, being seen as being media pitching and about press releases and media coverage, when you look at it in terms of relationships, how have you built the relationships that you need in order to achieve a particular outcome? How have you strengthened the relationship or has something that you've done weakened it? And you can actually measure the progress in those things. With marketing, marketing being about achieving out, uh, actions, getting people to take an action. Hence the, the call to action being a fundamental part of any marketing communications. You can measure whether people took an action or not. And it's not whether they took an action. If you're using marketing strategically, it's about measuring whether they took the action that you need them to take or whether they took the action that uh, you ask them to take because there are issues around marketing comms and whether or not people actually understand what it is you're, you're asking them to do. And the same thing with awareness. Rather than measuring media coverage and awareness generally, when you start to look at it from a strategic perspective, you actually look at whether media coverage contributed to achieving a particular outcome. And if you do it before you actually start to talk to media, it then means that you can focus on the one or two journalists, the one or two publications, the one or two uh, social media uh, kind of uh, channels that are going to deliver the outcome that you want. You can forget about all of the rest. So going back to your point about people say they don't have time, 
part of the process actually is about being strategic in what they do and that creates the time compared to simply doing stuff and hoping that something that you do actually delivers the outcome that you're looking for by chance. Linda Johnson, can you give us your best client success story? Tell us how you managed to help a client achieve those impact measurements that were important to them. Yeah, so um, there are many, but one in particular stands out. uh, Being told that the work that you did with a customer resulted in them having a business where they they wouldn't otherwise uh, have one is is quite a uh, a reflection of of the work that we do and this was a customer that initially came to us and said that they needed uh publicity and when we started to look at it we realized that there was a fundamental problem that publicity wasn't going to help them because nobody really understood what it was they did the the business was technical but technical to the point that even people that had years of experience working in that area didn't understand. And so we started by saying, you can do this, but you know, just be aware that even if you can get media coverage, you're not necessarily going to achieve the outcome that you want because people don't understand. Um, the journalists that you talk to may understand, but even they may struggle And so what you need to do is actually figure out how you simplify what you do to talk about the benefits of the the work that you do so they can actually relate it to their businesses and and it kind of puts what you do in context. Um, You also need to really narrow down who you talk to because there are people that you can talk to that can help you in that translation process. It also then narrows particularly the sorts of businesses that you will attract, which are the types of organizations that they said were were their ideal customers. And initially they were skeptical and went through the process, I think because they felt like they wanted to prove us wrong. And over a period of, of a few months, um, with, I would say, between four and six hours of, of our hands-on help, we started to show them that a lot of the things that they believed they had no evidence for, and some of the things that we were telling them or we were, we were kind of asking them to explore in more detail actually had some validity. And over the period of, of kind of time that we worked with them, they actually were able to really simplify the benefits that they were communicating, they were really able to identify the particular people inside specific organizations that they believed would have value for the products and services that they uh, were creating. And they found customers. They found customers that were looking for exactly what they were doing, were willing to pay for it. And I would imagine probably six months ago, Uh, and this is non-COVID related, Uh, I got an email saying that had they not have gone through the process and and approached it in the way that we eventually ended up working with them, um, they wouldn't have had a business because they wouldn't have found customers. They wouldn't have been able to have um, built the team that they had built. And um, for for that, they were grateful. So 
uh, it's quite a, a story. I have the email that is uh, in a folder that I look at every day because it reminds me that, you know, this work that we're doing has has real impact. And you look at that every day? Almost every day. It's a reminder. It's a reminder for me that, you know, what, what we've built um, is is valuable. And, uh, you know, if we're not adding value for customers, then why are we doing what we're doing? So this is a note for the entrepreneurs listening. That is a customer testimonial. And Lyndon did not know before the podcast started, I would be asking him that question, but he had a recent example of how he saved a business's life through his services. And, and, and he was able to tell that story uh, uh, off the cuff. And I find, as a journalist interviewing entrepreneurs, I find so few of them are able to do that. So it's good, A, that, that, that you know you can do this stuff because it's your bread and butter, Lyndon. But hopefully all entrepreneurs can learn to tell these testimonials as well because the way you communicate uh, the benefits of your company's products and services is probably the most important uh, fundamental to the business. So I want to change the... Uh, the topic a little bit here and talk about startup chat. So in startup chats, what happens is you pick a time. It's, I think you usually around noon Eastern time and you pick a topic and sometimes you have a guest expert, but you also have just a bunch of entrepreneurs and friends of the, of, of, of startup Canada and people in the network. And they arrange to come on and talk about the topic and answer a series of questions. And hopefully the idea is people follow along and get the benefit of all these people uh, adding their two cents, answering questions, challenging each other, responding to each other, and actually getting some real firsthand uh, experience and advice written down in front of people that they can, you know, refer back to. And uh, the great thing is Startup Canada also does little abstracts of each of these chats now. So you, you can catch the, the highlight reel in essence later. Um, so it's a really interesting model. It's hard to follow, but I think there's a lot of, my sense is there's a lot of good advice coming out of it. So tell me, what are some of the topics that you found the meatiest and what are some of the things that you've learned from other entrepreneurs through the startup chats? One of the things is just that typically as entrepreneurs, there's this belief that we have to have all the answers. And the reality is none of us do. We don't exist without help from other people. And I think that one of the great things about startup chats is that there is a community and it makes you realize that it's not just a community that people talk about, but when you try to get advice or get help, there's silence. Um, and the more you see that, I think the more willing people are to ask for help. Uh, it's somewhere that we normally have anywhere between 20 and 50 people uh, in the chats, and sometimes we've had more than that. But there are, you know, always a, a, a broad range of opinions and views and experiences. And I think the key is to, to just find the thing that actually relates to, to you specifically from that. Um, there's been great advice, you know, around uh, finance. Um, that's not an area that I'm particularly uh, strong at. 
Um, and there are people that are members of the, the Startup Chats community where value is what they do. And I've been able to learn things about um, raising money, about um, the financial modeling and financial planning for uh, businesses as they grow. Um, so some of that has been been hugely important to me. Uh, I think the other thing is around mental health. I think that you know some of the conversations that we've had around uh, dealing with this thing that we do. Uh, a lot of the time we do it on our own, and and you know that takes a toll on on you know our mental health sometimes. And, and kind of having those frank and open conversations where we know that there's a support community, we know that. What we're experiencing isn't, isn't just something that's unique to us. And recently, we've also had some some really good conversations about um, diversity and inclusion, which is something that has become uh, a hot topic over the last few months, but but really should be something where the conversation is always taking place because that's the only way that we we affect the changes that, that are necessary in in the world, but in in startups in particular. Was there ever a time when someone came into a startup chat, you know, as a guest, as, as, as like an uninvited guest, but, you know, as a participant, just as a participant and stunned you with an observation or a piece of advice or a story? I think I've been a couple. Um, one that stands out. And again, this is one of the things that makes um, startup chats great because you get different opinions and different perspectives on stuff. Um Somebody was telling their their story about you know uh, their mental health challenges, and it was something that I don't know that I I thought somebody would be prepared to talk about um, in in a public setting, um, and I think it was kind of a moment where everybody just kind of took a deep breath and you know almost kind of a, a step back from the screen because the the honesty and the the kind of advice about how they dealt with it was something that we realized that we could all learn from and and so for that i think uh, everybody was was grateful fantastic so if people want to catch up on past startup chats they can go to the startup canada website startupcan.ca and look up startup chats recap um and uh, you can get on the weekly emails or check the check the website for upcoming uh, startup chats. But how do people get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more about your work in communications, strategic communications? So I'm uh, on Twitter. Uh, uh, I'm kind of there most days at think underscore Linden, which is L-Y-N-D-O-N. Uh, or you can email me Linden at thinkdifferently.ca or linden at comms.bar whichever uh you choose uh, and if you want to kind of go the old-fashioned route and you you want to pick up the phone and, and give me a call you can you can do that i'm happy giving out my my cell phone number i give it out on twitter most days it's 647-773-2677 and uh if you want an old-fashioned conversation without having to stare at a screen uh, i will be more than happy to to talk to anybody and how do you build them for that uh, unsolicited conversation? Well, one of the things about Comms Bar um, is that we don't just offer paid services. Uh, we offer, you know, kind of 
general advice. If somebody walks in and they've got a general question, I'm not going to bill them for it um, because it's something that uh, is helping them to to move forward. That if they can apply that to uh, their business on their own. So a lot of the conversations I have are are you know not billed. Um, it's part of my commitment to supporting the entrepreneur community around the world, um, particularly in Canada. Um, and sometimes those conversations then will turn into uh, a paid session. Uh, but it's something that you know is is talked about. Um, you know, but I'm I'm always welcome to to help entrepreneurs to understand the fundamentals. Uh, because I think it's it's such an important thing um, that uh, without that, it makes our job harder. And it, it also um, means that entrepreneurs don't get to to understand how they can do a lot of this stuff themselves. I love that. I love that. Uh, the idea of serving first, uh, proving your value and, uh, and and understanding that good things come from that. And even if it means giving stuff away at first. So totally agree with that. Uh, I love it. Generally, Lyndon, um, the last question we ask on the Startup Canada podcast is, what's the most actionable piece of advice that you'd like entrepreneurs uh, to know about that they can put into their in, into action in their business right away? Something for them to, to, to actually act on Uh before they close the computer today? One thing I would ask everybody to do is to think of a goal. Think of one of the the objectives you're trying to achieve and to look at it in three ways. Look at the relationships that you need in order to make that goal a reality and look at whether you have them in place or whether you need to build them. To look at the actions that you need people to take in order for that outcome to become a reality and figure out whether or not if you ask those people today to take that action, whether they would, and if they would figure out what you need to do to actually get them to to take it, and if not, to, to figure out why they wouldn't. And then to look at how you communicate and look at the most effective way of communicating to the people that are critical to you achieving the outcome. And when you start to look at an outcome in that way, you have the basis of a strategy. You have the people that are critical to it. You have the actions that you need them to take. And you also have an understanding of how you would communicate with them in order to to make that outcome a reality. And so if you start with a page with four columns, the outcome, the relationships, the actions, and the communications tools, um, you'll be closer to, to actually figuring out how you make that outcome a reality. That was the best 200 words I've ever heard. That was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, outcomes, relationships, actions, and the communication tools needed to get there. Uh, it's a beautiful model. I hope more people will check you out on thinkdifferently.ca or comms.bar and, uh, and, 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 and learn more about the work you're doing. And thank you for the work you do for entrepreneurs in your business, as well as uh, as the host of Startup Chats. And I hope more people will check that out as well. Lyndon, thank you so much for being on the show and good luck helping to build Canada's entrepreneurial resilience. 
Thank you, Rick. It's been my pleasure. One thing I just want to say before I go, we talked about Startup Chats. I just want to recognize the team at Startup Canada um, that uh, do all of the background work to make Startup Chats a reality. We talked about you know, the, the operational chaos of dealing with all of the participants, but none of that happens without the work that you know the, the team at Startup Canada do. So uh, I just wanted to kind of kind of pass on my, my gratitude to them for everything they do because the work they do makes my job easy. Fantastic. I guess I should agree with that as well. Thank you for everyone at, thank you everyone at Startup Canada for the work you do uh, with Startup Chats, this is the, the podcast that we do and so many other things that are really helping to make a difference in Canada. Linden, my friend, we'll talk again. We will talk again. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.